stand by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Ah, uh, this is Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Well, welcome in on another great week, another great show, and we're talking bears. Dan Thompson back with us today. Have you wondered how the bear population is? You always hear stories. Well, we're going to get to the bottom of that with Dan and Janet. Also, how to use that bear spray and what's the best bear spray? That's on the way as we are getting closer and closer to rifle seasons coming in all over the state. Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is with us again. We've got cold weather moving our way as fall is finally here. We'll find out what's best to strap on when you're heading out. And uh, how about some fall cold weather fishing? It's that time of year. On Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby on My Country 95.5. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors on My Country 95.5. Well, it's hard to believe that September is just about over. That means rifles will be in season very shortly here. And Dan Thompson is with us yet again this week to talk more about bears. Dan, one of the key ingredients to safety in the wilderness here in Wyoming is bear spray. you got to have it with you if you want to have any chance of coming out on the good side of a bear interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's only as good as the person that the, the brain between their ears, you know. And so uh, it's a great tool to have. It has to be readily available, and people have to know how to use it. The one thing that we see a lot is people fumble with the safety, and that's fine. But when a bear is charging you, they're not going to wait for you to take the safety off, or a moose is charging you, or an errant cow. Um, it, it's something that... If you have it, make sure you know how it works, have it readily accessible, know where that safety is and how to pop it off if you should need to use it. And we do offer, you know, classes, there's videos, those sorts of things. But oftentimes in our hunter education classes, and we do still have some that people can even come to the office and try. We have inert Mm -hmm. cans of, of quote unquote bear spray, right? It's just the propellant. So you can kind of get a sense of of what it is like to try and get that safety off and try to get it out of the holster to um, be able to deploy this this spray. And what does the spray actually look like when it comes out? And those are all things that, you know, we really um, want people to be able to try so that they are ready for it in any situation. So, you know. It's just like if you go in the field with a bow or rifle, you're going to make sure you're shooting good before you go. I'm not saying you have to deploy your bear spray, but know how it works. Know how to take that safety off. It's just common sense. So Dan is not saying try the bear spray (laughs) on yourself. Exactly. Oh my goodness. You know, and, and we've had stories. It is a deterrent. Exactly. We have stories of the bear spray blowing up in the trucks that got overheated and, and all sorts of things. And I think we've all had a whiff or two of, of, a little bit of that bear spray and it is not pretty. So no, do not practice with your own bear spray. It, it can be um, very dangerous to any mammal that has mucous membranes. So, so keep that in mind and don't test it on your dog or kids husband either, but it is absolutely 
Um, super important, have that located, readily available, that you're able to get the safety off and deploy it in a situation where you might need it. Are there uh, certain types of bear spray that you would recommend more than others that you have found that seem to work better? There's a couple companies that make it. The big thing is it has to be EPA approved. They run from 40 to $50, and they last three to five years now. Some of the seals have gotten better. And people complain about that, but I mean, that's one night out to dinner that is the difference, potentially difference between injury to you or a friend or loved one. It's just, it's a good tool to have that's worth carrying when you're out hunting. And I, I mean, it's not just hunting, fishing, hiking. People have used it in a lot of different scenarios and it's, it's gotten them safe. We've had bears bite the bear spray. It's just, it's a good tool to have. If you deploy it or have to deploy it one time, is it good to go again or should you always replace it if you deploy it? No, it's it's good to go. Each can has six to eight seconds of full spray in it. And that's why we suggest if you need to use it, try to use short bursts because if the bear keeps coming, you'll have more. And generally, you'll have to get back to a, a vehicle or a cabin or something. So we suggest you use short bursts if you have to use it. If you have used it, it's probably best to, to, to replace it with a new one. But if you're still out in the woods, keep using it, obviously. And also, if you're going to be out for a long time, have more than one. Weird things can happen. Of course, again, go to Bearwise Wyoming at the WGFT.wild.gov website. There are videos. There's all kinds of information that you need. Uh, there's a whole segment just on hunting in bear country that's great for the people to see. Awesome. Again, go to WGFT.wild.gov. Bearwise Wyoming is what you're looking for. A great resource if you're heading out. And me, it just a refresher course. If it's been a couple of years since you've been able to get out and hunt or hike, go check it out. More with Dan in just a few minutes. We want to check in on those bear numbers to see how they are now. To Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5. Dan Thompson, Large Carnivore Supervisor for Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Uh, Dan, how are bear numbers looking? I know that for one point in Wyoming history, 20, 30 years ago, the numbers maybe were down a little. Now, are they coming back? Uh, yes, absolutely. Robust, I guess, would be a good <laughs> word I would use. Uh, you know, we do a lot more actual quantitative work with grizzly bears, of course, because in the 70s, they were listed as a threatened population. So in order to demonstrate that they've recovered, we have to have a, a better handle on actual numbers. And, and what we've seen through more than four decades of study is a substantial increase of the population through time. Now, bears don't, especially grizzly bears, they don't they don't grow in numbers as quickly as, as other species just because they, they don't start reproducing until later. It takes them a couple of years between litters. But once they get to a certain abundance, they, they can grow at a, a fairly normal rate through time. And we're seeing uh, what we've seen for grizzly bears is they've inhabited all the, the good critical habitat and beyond in northwest Wyoming. And so one thing that we were kind of plagued with was a conservative population estimate for a long time. We've worked to rectify that based on the empirical data we've collected for decades to where we're talking more realistically about over a thousand bears in the GYE. And again, what we've really seen is an expansion of the overall density distribution and abundance. And as those bears 
increase in distribution outside of these more suitable habitats or just a higher conflict potential. So that's what we deal with a lot. As far as black bears go, we more recently started enumerating some black bear densities across the state in a systematic approach. And what I can say for black bears is I don't have a number, but we are seeing expansion of black bears quite honestly across North America. And so both both of those bear species are doing very well. And it's a testament to a lot of work from a lot of people, especially with grizzly bears, um, to, to bring them back. And it's a reason why the state supports moving forward with delisting. Again, um, we feel that we need to celebrate the success story before it turns awry to maintain that public tolerance for people who live with grizzly bears. But it's a cool success story, and they're doing very well. Do you find that maybe with so many organizations for conservation that are out doing good deeds, you know, trying to make sure the animal crossings and, you know, the habitat is right for the wildlife, that that goes right into the hands of the bears as well, where it's really benefiting them? Well, sure. I think uh, maintaining secure habitat was very important for the grizzly bear. And the people that started this decades ago had that foresight to, to keep a lot of those habitats intact and also had the foresight to say that grizzly bears shouldn't be everywhere. We hear that a lot from people. Well, they were here first. They used to, you know, we're in their land. That's true. But 500 years ago, the land looked a lot different too. So I think there was a lot of foresight come that has come forth from predecessors that have worked on grizzly bears to understand that there's a lot of habitat that should be protected to maintain them in perpetuity without promoting those grizzly bears everywhere. And it definitely does. You know, it's having grizzly bears is indicative of a, a healthy ecosystem. And so in a place that has grizzly bears, you're going to have everything else as well. So it is a testament to that. So really in an area like Casper, Douglas, uh, the grizzly bear wouldn't really survive as well here, right? I think it would get in trouble a lot more, put it that way. Um, you know, what we're seeing now is, is these bears expanding into more human-dominated landscapes. And you just can't expect a person to to secure their their belongings as well in the beet fields of Powell as they do in the back country of the thoroughfare. And I think what we would see if there's grizzly bears in this country is there would be a lot more interactions with people that would be negative for the long term survivability of bears and it just it would erode some tolerance for those animals and also take away the notion of that wild lands and pristine nature of where grizzly bears live. Bears are extremely adaptable and I'm not going to tell a bear where it can and can't live but I can understand where it has a high potential of getting in trouble. Dan you mentioned that bears are moving more where human interaction is and I assume it's probably because of the widespread numbers of humans that are around. When you relocate a bear, how do you figure out where to take them? What we'll do is if they're involved in a cattle conflict in the southern part of the ecosystem, we'll move them as far away as we can within Wyoming where there's not cattle. A lot of times those bears will return. It's getting harder and harder to relocate bears, quite honestly, just because the population is saturated, the habitat. And we've got a lot more human use of, of bear habitat. And, and everywhere in Wyoming, we have a lot more human use of wild landscapes. And that has to factor into our decision whether we move a bear. And a lot of times, certain scenarios, if a bear is involved in a conflict situation, especially if it has a prior history, we have to lethally remove that animal. I think it's really important to recognize the efforts of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. There is a lot of science behind it, and, and we do what we can that's best for 
um, safety of people and also the safety of the bears. And going to Bearwise, Wyoming, is that a good place for people to go to get more information on not only resources, but also information on bears? Yes, absolutely. It's a very interactive website that we have, or interactive portion of our website. We have a lot of videos there. We have, depending, everybody learns differently. So we've been really trying to branch out on how we reach people when it comes to bears and bear safety to learn about bears from their ecology and conservation and management as well as what you can do to reduce conflict potential and what you can do if you encounter a bear. So there's just, there's a wealth of information there that is readily available in a very digestible format. Easy to find WGFD.yo.gov. Look for Bear Wise Wyoming. Bear Wise Wyoming. Dan, Janet, thank you guys so much. Talk to you next week. Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5. Hunting season is on, Brian, and here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, you know, you probably aren't just going to go out one time. You're going to go over and over and over, and you're going to use supplies when you do that. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the week for especially anyone that's going to be rifle hunting to go through their equipment, their backpacks, make sure they've got the supplies that they think they had at the end of last season, make sure the knives are sharp, the replacement blades for their for their knives, uh, all that all that type of stuff that they're prepared. And if you're going to go and you're going to stay in the the backcountry, you need to make sure that you know your tents are ready, your sleeping bags aren't chewed up by mice, and <laughs> you know you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you never know. I mean, that, usually at the end of the season. And, you know, you're kind of you're kind of rushing. You're trying to get home. You might have have an animal in the back that you're trying to get to the processor, and you get home and you throw that sleeping bag, you know, in the corner, and you forgot that it was wet, and now it's oh, now moldy, now know. it's wet and moldy, and the mice found it on top of it. So, and maybe you were uh, skinning out that animal and snapped your knife in half, and you know, thought, oh, I got to replace that, and you forgot about that. Or maybe uh, after you got done hauling it out, you forgot that you left the knife back where you uh-huh. you know caped it out. So yeah, we we, we see it all. And now you can obviously uh, get in on that. And, you know, speaking of a lot of the skinning knives, there's skinning kits that, you know, that really have everything in it that you need that you don't have to have just one knife. Yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of got to the point over the last few years, you know, the less you can carry into the field, the better you are. So, you know, we used to be that big old charade knife, nice, you know, buck knife, and we'd, we'd carry a sharpener with us and that kind of stuff. And, and now with the technology with Havlon and, and Outdoor Edge, now, now we've got replacement blades. So mm-hmm. they can be sharpened in the field if you want, but if you don't want to carry an extra sharpener, the replacement blades are right there. And, and I found really effective to be able to quarter out an elk with, you know, pretty much much one one blade no problem which and people are like well that's not big enough to do the job but if you've ever seen a doctor scalpel yep it doesn't take much to to really slice through the skin yeah and these are scalpel quality uh blades you know so i mean they can be resharpened but uh you know to me it's like you know the less i can carry in the field the, the better i am and still be effective now of course when you're out in the field and uh you're making your way out to find your spot to hunt you got to have good boots and you guys have a good supply yeah, um, we're, we're starting to see the boots moving pretty good. And the other thing that's moving is uh, all of our packs. You know, we've got Mystery Ranch, and then we're selling quite a few frame packs for, for hauling that meat out of the field. And uh, speaking of hauling the meat, you guys have the, the bags and, and all yep. of it. So Yeah, game bags are, you know, pretty critical, especially if you've got some some warmer weather and you got flies and stuff. You know, they've, we've got some uh, game bags that can cover that, that meat to keep it uh, from spoiling on you. You know, one of the things that, you know, this time of year where you may sweat during the afternoon, but if you're staying out or you're going out really early, it's 30 to 40 degrees in the morning now. Right. So you got to layer up throughout the day. 
Yeah, and it's it's important, especially to you know for those guys that are getting in deep into the back country. You know, they 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 know to wear the the, the right the right material that that wicks the moisture away from your body, and um, you know to layer up and to you know go in light and and come out heavy, right? Yeah, I, and you know it, you know you think if you're not an, a back country guy, you know you're going to pack what you need to go back there. But even day hunting is. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, even for day trips, you know, you got to be prepared to spend the night in the field. So you, you got to have a little bit of basics, you know, some fire starting material, maybe, a, you know, something to keep you dry, whether it's a, a light tarp or a poncho. Um, but yeah, being prepared is, is the key. Well, get out here to Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Be prepared. Get everything you need supply wise. You guys even have the, uh, the MRE packs with Mountain House and some of the others. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're selling the heck out of uh, all the Mountain House and the peak refuel and the peak refuel um i think is kind of kind of taking the lead the, uh, this year on on the freeze-dried stuff so it's it's been it's been good get out of here and check it out rocky mountain discount sports wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on my country 95.5 we're moving on into October here, Brian, and uh, fishing is still really good around the area. It is, you know, and this is a great time to be on the water because uh, a lot of the guys that uh, are spending their time on the water in the summer are in the field chasing big game. Right, so that means there's more fish for you to catch. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Trout fishing here, obviously a, a big uh, draw to a lot of people, and we've talked throughout the summer how walleye fishing is almost just as big anymore. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, trout fishing has, has had just a, a longevity of, you know, years of, of people fishing this area, especially on the North Platte and the Miracle Mile and our reservoirs, really. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely a, a, a focus for the game and fish to keep these reservoirs stocked with trout. And, uh, you know, typically they they uh, people can be pretty successful from from shore. So it sells a lot of fishing licenses and and really just a good afternoon of just fun. So and really what I love about the fact is you could go out one day and morning fish for a certain type of fish and midday fish for something else and then in the evening fish for another option well i mean that alone and and different types of fishing right i mean you could start up on pathfinder and you're like hey, well you know they're not biting very good here so let's drop down into fremont canyon and and let's let's fish do a little river fishing and then oh it's not so great here well let's jump down to alcova and eh, not so good here let's drop down to government bridge you know i mean you can just kind of bounce around and and there's there's just a lot of great fishing now when people are going out fishing they maybe aren't leaving nearly as early as they did during the summer because they want to catch the the cool morning fish now it's really cool in the morning and warms up during the day so how do you go about your day on the on the water yeah i mean obviously dressing for the weather is a, a big uh, a big factor you know and uh, over the years i'm sure you know people just kind of learn different techniques of what keeps them warm whether it's uh you know those those instant hot packs that you put in your pockets so that you can you know constantly you know put your hands back in there and warm them up in between casts one little trick that i've learned like especially through ice fishing is wearing a pair of uh, vinyl gloves, I guess. So it keeps, you know, if you're getting your your hands wet, it doesn't get your hands as cold, I guess. You know, that was, as that wind hits those gloves, you have a little bit of protection. Um, I do that, especially walleye fishing, and we're always dipping our hands into minnows and, and threading minnows. I can still tie knots with those gloves on, and I can thread minnows. So Making sure that you're prepared when you go out is great. What about uh, when it comes to baits? I mean, early in the year where, you know, live baits are, are pretty exciting, what about now? 
Yeah, um, you know, a lot of, for the walleye fishing, you know, I mean, pretty much anything eats a worm anytime, I think, right? Uh, it's kind of like putting a steak in front of you and me. I mean, we're, it doesn't matter. We're going to eat. We're, we're, we're eating. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the trout guys right now are spending a lot of time on the lower half of the, of the river. You know, they're coming through Casper all the way through Glenrock and they're focusing on, you know, probably stripping some streamers. There's still some nymph fishing going on too, but guys that are targeting the bigger browns and the bigger rainbows are, or throwing streamers, um, the the walleye guys are, are casting spoons. They're pulling crankbaits in a little bit deeper water. Um, yeah, it's it's it, all around. I mean, you go to Glendo and or, or Keyhole, you got the opportunity for crappie and perch. You know, if you get to uh, Gray Rocks or or Keyhole, you know, you might even run into some bass. So there definitely is the the option about a different breed of fish, and the fish right. are at a different level. They're eating different things, and. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of guys that watch that, you know, sun, moon calculators and the best time to fish and all that kind of stuff. And I think the best time to fish is anytime you can get out, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't plan my days. It's just kind of like you don't plan on, on doing activities in Wyoming because it's going to be windy today. You know, you just go do it. I mean, otherwise you're going to be sitting in your house all the time. So uh, those fish are eating, you know, I, I, I think most of the time. There are probably are peak times, especially, you know, first thing in the morning, just at, just at dawn. Uh, dusk uh, anytime like the bugs are hatching you know that as, as it warms up that's going to be a little more productive on the fishing side as well so but you know i think the big thing is just get out and obviously you still have a little time before snow flies maybe who knows it i Could mean it's tomorrow. already snowed up on casper <laughs> mountain we've had snow up in the bighorn so don't uh, don't wait around for the snow hit it up now and head on in here to rocky mountain discount sports to make sure that you're prepared to head out on the water